Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, City Bike Safety, we explore the intersection between road safety and the growing urban biking trend. Today's guest is Lindsay Karen Epstein, a public speaker on the issue of urban cycling safety. She was involved in the arts for a decade as a journalist, actress, musician, and producer, then got a degree in environmental science and accidentally founded a social good tech startup. For the past decade, she's worked managing web developers in tech. For 25 years, she's been commuting by bicycle, traveling much of the world, and an avid cycling advocate. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you guys so much for having me, and thank you for covering important topics. Lindsay, tell us a bit about yourself. I just moved to Southern Florida like three weeks ago, so I'm excited to have a home because I haven't for three years. I've just been all over the place for three years, so I'm excited to build a new community, and I think that having some location and stability will enable me to be more productive and have more impact. Wow, thank you for that, Lindsay, and a pleasure to have you on the show. You know, biking overall has increased in major cities uh, and in the U.S. and around the world as a result of the pandemic. Uh, cities like Atlanta, Las Vegas, for example, saw biking traffic rise by 25% in 2021 compared to 2019, while mid-sized cities like Birmingham, Alabama, Charleston, South Carolina, Jackson, Mississippi, Little Rock, Arkansas have, have had gains of over 50% uh, uh, um, in the past year. So that's pretty pretty significant. I think we all can agree that an increase in biking is a good thing. You know, it helps the environment as a form of sustainable transportation. It's good for our health. And it takes up less space than cars or buses. But we sometimes forget about the risks involved with the growing trend of biking in densely populated urban areas. You know, Lindsay, you know, it's such a pleasure to have you and I'd love to, for us to kind of unpack some of these issues that you talk a lot about. Can you tell us your story? COVID started and therefore my work went remote. So I went to like Utah for a couple months and I'd recently bought a houseboat. So then I went back to my houseboat, renovated it so I could rent it out to someone else and leave for many months. And I went to Baja and learned to kite surf. And then... I went to San Diego and I was there for maybe a week and I got hit by a car, run over, <laughs> hit and run. So I was biking. It was maybe 10 o'clock at night. So dark. Um, and it's in a suburban neighborhood, two lanes in each direction with parking on the side against the curb, but no bike lane. And it's a suburban neighborhood with an elementary school, like a block away and a car hit me from behind. And then drove off. And the vehicle was the speed limit in this suburban neighborhood with the elementary school was 45 miles per hour, which is crazy. Um, and the driver left. I was in the hospital for five months. My skull split open. Doctors informed my family I would not survive. I had a Glasgow coma scale of three. Glasgow coma scales were they used to assess the uh, severity of a traumatic brain injury. And the lowest you can possibly get is three. Highest is 15. So we are all at 15 right now. 
three is brain dead. Only 5% survive that. And then I shouldn't have been able to walk and stuff again. And I'm miraculously back to independent living and solo travel and stuff like that. So, so it, this is, so five months you were in a coma. I mean, that's a, that's an incredible story. Um, a couple weeks and, in a coma. Oh, okay. So, so you were in the hospital for five months, you were in a coma for a couple of weeks and then, then what happened? Like did, it was a hit and run. Did the individual get caught? Were you able to um, get compensated? What, what happens in that situation once you get hit? I think most people um, believe uh, that when you're on a bike or you're walking and someone hit and runs you, um, albeit a, an extraordinarily traumatic experience, uh, the the person that hit you suffers. I mean, there's a pretty much the, the weight of the law falls down on them and that you as a victim are compensated and taken care of. Is that the case for you? Not really. It's miraculous that the person was found. This awesome woman saw the vehicle which was smashed. It looked like a tree fell on this vehicle from hitting my body. And she thought it was suspicious. So she Googled and saw they were looking for a hit and run driver in her neighborhood. So she called the police and then <clears throat> police came and he said, I wasn't driving a friend borrowed my car. So he lied. Um, and then eight months later, they're like, there's too much evidence. And he changed his plea to guilty. Also the woman, the awesome woman who saw the vehicle and Googled it, which how many people do that? People see a smash car. They're like, whatever. She was awesome. She now lives in Brazil. I think I heard on a podcast, Jamie had, was from Brazil. Yes, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Compensation coming in the mail. <laughs> um, okay. So the criminal trial ended a year ago and they determined that he owes me 1.4 million which is interesting because my medical bills were over 10 million, but he owes me 1.4 million. And so he still should work so that he could pay me and he has to pay me 300 a month. So if I live an additional 300 years, I'll see that 1.4 million. Also, it's been 14 months and he's paid me five times. Wow. That's it. Well, listen, the important thing is that you're alive, you're well, you've recovered. That, that, that alone sounds like a medical miracle. You know, I, you're not the only one on this podcast who's had brain surgery. And uh, I can say, and this is a shout out to Dr. Bobby Stark at University of Miami, one of the greatest brain surgeons in the country. But uh, it's amazing what they can do. If you can combine the human spirit who has this, this fight inside them, with the technology that we have today, it is ama amazing. You are a living, walking miracle that, uh, of survival. And I think that should be celebrated. If anything, a shout out to, uh, I presume you have all these doctors and facilities. I don't know where exactly you spend most of your time, but they must have done a tremendous job and given you every opportunity to come back. And you must be a hell of a fighter. So what does that say about the larger issue about bike safety? And like I said earlier, you know, we don't, really know or think that much about bike safety until something traumatic happens uh, especially uh during the day obviously things can happen you're, you're riding your bike to and from work you can get hit but when you're riding your bike at night there are lights and reflective technologies and things that we should be wearing most of us don't i know i do not 
how do we how should we start thinking about bike safety and the importance of bike safety obviously what we'd love to be able to talk about later on in the show is how we can uh, you know what are some solutions and how cities individuals can protect themselves and protect bikers but i'd like to know what are some of the issues that we need to be considering right now so many um there's 5.4 million vehicle motor vehicle related incidents happened in 2021 2021. And in 2021, 46,900 people died in motor vehicle related crashes. And we don't know because no, like if there's a plane crash or a train crash, it's all over the media, all over the media. This is significantly more a large of an epidemic. 46,000 people died in 2021 because of cars and it's not talked about in the media. So thank you for being part of the media that's covering some of this. Um, there were 77,500 pedestrian deaths in 2021. 77 or 7,000? 7,500. And is that from biking or that's just pedestrian deaths? I mean, people just, just get- Okay, so if I was walking down the street and someone mugged me and shot me, then that would be that. Is that that's just it? I'm just kidding. So, about more of the story though is I think that we we you know we the, we we see the the numbers growing, right? Um, I, I don't want to trivialize the, the 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 issue of of mortality in in urban areas in general, but I do think that what's unique about biking is that it's we 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 feel safe on bikes. Uh, you know, we feel um, like we're doing a good thing by riding instead of driving. We feel like we're getting off the roads um, at certain points of our lives to to actually do better. Probably think we're 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 we're, we're getting to work uh, more um, more efficiently. We think we're safe. We think we're we're um, we're saving the environment or what have you. But in fact, we're putting ourselves more at risk. And I don't think the public knows much, as much about it. So we're going into biking um, blind. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and so I think, could you just talk about what it is that you then talk about? Because I know that you're a very um, uh, a public speaker on this, on this topic. What are some of the things that you, when you talk in public to other folks, what resonates most with people? Okay, so in the rest of the world, in the past five years, the number of cyclists hit by cars has decreased significantly. And it's increased like 20% in the US in that same time frame. And if you go to Europe, right, there's all these downtown areas where no vehicles are allowed for like six blocks. It's pedestrians and cyclists only. And that has been a part of their infrastructure intentionally. And so we could design the same protected bike lanes, speed bumps to reduce the speed limit. Those are all things that could make it safer. And there's some of that starting to pop up in the US. They're also doing the opposite. They are removing bike lanes that they put in. And I think there's some protests like, oh, you can't take away parking spaces from our businesses by putting in that bike lane, except all the places in the U.S. that have 
car-free business districts, those business districts are booming. It increases the amount of revenue and profit for the businesses there. And the ability for people to walk past the small shops gets them inside locally owned businesses instead of just driving to chain stores. Well, it seems like biking uh, is, is, a, is a cultural issue. It, it depends on where you are, parts of the world, uh, depends on the history. Like, for example, I would make the case that in the United States, the pedestrian has the right of way over the bicycle. But if you go to places like Copenhagen, it's the reverse. It's the pedestrian has to watch out that if he steps out onto the street at the wrong time, he will get plowed by about 30 bikes doing 45 miles an hour in the middle of downtown. I mean, it's literally insane if you've ever, anyone who's ever been there. So, I th- and there are smaller distances. These are smaller cities versus United States. The other thing I think to keep in mind is, is I think bicycling, urban biking, city bikes, renting bikes, using bikes to commute is relatively new in the United States, where it has been going on for decades, if not centuries, in cities like in Europe, for example. So, of course, we're, our deaths are going to go up versus their deaths come down, depending on where you are in the cycle of understanding, improving the service, making it safer, doing some of the things like speed bumps that you bring up. So it doesn't surprise me that we, that our data is worse than theirs, because I think we're behind the curve and coming up to speed on all the ways not only can we use biking, but how to make it safer. You know, you're absolutely right on that point. I, you know, I just think about differences between New York and Miami, for example. You know, in New York, you're just, as a driver, you're just so used to navigating in between people that you're just naturally more aware as a driver just because you're used to people, ming- you know, stepping into streets um, and all that. Where in Miami, it's not people really ever walk, um, and let alone bike uh, in in this in the streets. You're just not used to the human factor when commuting, and so people, you know, I I started biking uh, particularly since the pandemic in in Miami, and I'm noticing, you know, you you know, in in New York, you kind of you're there, you're driving, and you want to look into the whites of their of the driver's eyes to see if they're paying attention to you, and there's any remorse as they're coming closer to you. That kind of thing in Miami, I'm trying to get someone's attention and they're on their phones, they're multitasking, do all kinds of things and not paying attention to the road. Right. So, so there's a, there's a, to your point, not all cities are equal. Some are more, um, uh, um, have more capacity in some cases for, for bike lanes and more, um, uh, you know, more understanding and awareness or perhaps, perhaps, uh, empathy for bikers, bikers on the road. You know, there is, um, it turns out I think it was reading that the in 2022 currently uh, 2023 New York City has over 200 miles of protected bike lanes, and they're planning on adding 50 miles a year. I guess until every road in the city's got one. Um, some of the bike benefits or bike lane benefits that I've been reading obviously is safety you know bike lanes help drivers more aware of cyclists and make cyclist behavior in that ca- in this case more predictable uh number two i think lindsay you mentioned about the issues with retail uh, and their issues with parking but in fact there is proof that replacing parking with protected bike lanes actually increases retail sales uh, and then lastly it discourages drivers it, you know bike lanes can divert people who would otherwise drive in town, right? So, you, know, you go to Manhattan. I mean, I you know, there's there's two lanes at best in some streets because there's now bike lanes 
great for us pedestrians, great for bikers, not so good for drivers. So you think twice about going into the city in your car. I think about one of the one of the benefits of COVID. There's suddenly they replaced those parking spaces with tables outside. Right. Right. And they're still there because they helped business because who wants to sit at a table next to a parked car smelling their emissions? Well, in some places they got rid of it, right? I mean, in New York, they're, they're getting rid of that. That's that's a that's a thing of the past. People complained about it. Uh, I always find it uncomfortable eating outside in the street anyway. Um, so you know, it, it's it's um, it was a bitter it was is bittersweet. Let me ask you this, Lindsay. You've you've biked all over the world. You've traveled all over the world. You've spoken to groups all over the world. Where would you say, as an example, they get the biking thing right in a city? What should we be looking at? Because there should be, someone's already invented the wheel. Who do you think does it well? Who should we, should we copy? Okay, so um, Norway, I'm looking at a chart. Norway and Sweden have the least deaths. So two per 100,000 cyclists are killed by cars. The worst in the world is the United States. So 12 per 100,000 people are killed. And that's like way, 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 way above. The second is Poland. So there's like this little, little stream of those, how many deaths? And then U.S. is all the way over here. So if I were looking based on this chart, I'd say Norway and Sweden are obviously doing something right, which is weird because they're cold. Um, and then there's- Well, they, they only have half the deaths because the other half of the time, nobody can cycle. <laughs> <laughs> so they're already starting with less that they only have it it's like you're comparing six months to a year of data <laughs> miami they can kill you all year long no we can only kill you in the summer so we got to wait around in the winter and you know go take a sauna till we can kill somebody in the summer there's also a florida is the worst state in the u.s well there's no there's no question that florida you know i i every day you hear something you hear a tragedy, you hear an issue, it's a big deal, uh, especially now that you've got people moving into Southern Florida from all over the world with their own driving habits and their own understanding and familiarity with, with people on the streets, pedestrians, bikers, et cetera. They're coming in and they're not knowing what they're doing and trying to figure stuff out and thus you know, getting into accidents. But I, look, I think, Jamie, your point, Copenhagen, I've spent time in Amsterdam. Those, of, those who know me know that um, I love that town. And biking is a thing. The only problem is you're, you're not biking fast enough. People will yell at you on your bike. And, and, and you know, if you make the wrong turn, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a thing. The bike culture is not a car culture. And I think, it's your point, densely populated areas, some are more uh, attuned to, to bikers than, than, than drivers. You, you forget about trying to drive in Amsterdam. It's not even happening. So, look, look I, think, I think we need to think about safety. Some of the solutions that I think are proposed, obviously, like bike lanes are great. What are some other solutions that you've seen that have been working um, or that you'd like to see more of, Lindsay, uh, in a, on the roads? Don't drink and drive and don't text and drive. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. You know, it's funny. I uh, just finished up the thought about Miami. As, as an occasional biker myself, you'll go on a bike lane and all of a sudden the bike lane will disappear and now the bike lane is a regular lane. 
the actual bike logo is imprinted on the pavement, but you're in a regular lane with cars zipping by and the heat of the car coming by you as he drives by. And that's kind of scary. But I think it's human nature to always be upset with the other person. If you're the pedestrian, you're upset at the drivers who are terrible, or you're upset at the bike messengers that are screaming down Manhattan that'll almost kill you, even if you have the right of way, because they don't pay attention to any of the traffic. So I think there's responsibility on both sides, right? Or, you know, you, you have all these lanes. You're a driver in New York, and you go, why do we have all these bike lanes? It's only delivery people and the family of five from Copenhagen that are using them six months of the year, and look at all the traffic we have now. So it's human nature to look at the other side, but there's no doubt, as Alex uh, eloquently mentioned that there are huge benefits to transition to more bikes within the city but there is a real safety issue and it is up to everybody regardless of where you are in the hierarchy to have your eyes and ears open and be caring about the other person in front of you and that's not easy to do because we have so much stuff going on including as you nicely bring up Lindsay in a very polite way people texting people talking on the phones people not paying attention yeah, if you Google why do hit and runs happen, Google says they're avoiding a DUI. Which le legislation? Okay, DUI, you get a much stronger penalty than hit and run. They're state specific, so it varies, but that's bizarre. That's just crazy. Also, New York has done better than the rest of the country, where the rest of the USA has increased the amount of deaths by traffic violence, New York has decreased it. And Massachusetts is the most bicycle friendly state in the country. So I'm sure they have organized information about how to make it more bicycle friendly. Well, let me ask you this. Let's let, 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 let's take a step away from the, the responsibility of the driver, et cetera. What about the responsibility of the biker? Let's take examples like helmets. I remember when Gary Busey, the actor, was against the law that would force motorcycle riders to wear helmets in California. Then he crashed without a helmet. And if anybody's seen Gary Busey, I, I rest my case. Lately, I rest my case. The point being is that how do we get more safety equipment on the rider when we're trying to make the bicycle as uh, as efficient as possible in the sense you don't even think about it when you leave the house then halfway through the day oh i gotta go someplace i'll just hop on a city bike but i don't have a helmet with me the city bike doesn't have a helmet what can we be doing in terms of equipment or, or to maybe maybe uh make it easier for the rider himself to protect himself it's a good question. It's weird that a lot of states have revoked the requirement for a helmet on either a bicycle or a motorcycle. I'm curious why the, why the heck they revoked the existing legislation. Um, definitely people should wear helmets. They are adorable. And well, much well, Speaking of that, I mean, you know, there's actually a couple of things, right? Apple, I know there was an innovation a number of years ago um, in, in helmet design. Apple, you know, retail was selling this actual helmet and the helmet was connected to your iPhone. It, it, it inputted all this data. It had light, directional lights in the back. So person, a car, what have you behind you can see where you're going. And a lot of really cool innovations in, in helmet design, which ultimately will make helmets more attractive and then you'd want to ride a helmet because you know riding a helmet is kind of weird and 
clunky and all that jazz. So I think that that's one thing. Uh, I did I did see uh, innovations in body armor, uh, like you know body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, literally, it's like body. There's like body uh, airbags, and I think it was designed for people on motorcycles. But you you like you 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 leave the 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 ground and then you're in the air and if you're in a situation position it deploys and it turns into this little mush like marshmallow and you just tumble off into the distance i think i think there's i think there's things like that that are that are designed to uh to improve the the, the life um and health of of the passenger i think to your point Lindsay, about no drinking and driving i think that's that's Full stop. No, no one should drive. Period. While intoxicated, but I think there is there is solutions to making the driver more aware. One thing that I, I've actually noticed within automotive is innovations in detection because you know lidar and, and and radar and all that are embedded in vehicles. It does sense pedestrians. It does sense objects. Um, even if it's not a Tesla, there are there are technologies in there that that show that your you know proximity alerts these kinds of things. So there's ways for technology to also be embedded in the vehicle to help to prevent potential accidents with, with bikers. But I think there's a lot of lot of a lot we can do, a lot more that can be done. There was currently some legislation that I totally forget the name of, but um, they were they measure the safety of vehicles. And the criteria for measuring the safety of vehicles does not include, can you see the visualization and has it safe for pedestrians and cyclists? So there's this movement to try and get um, that to be part of the criteria to gauge the safety of vehicles. Also, big trucks, big trucks, they keep getting bigger. Everyone wants their big trucks and the way that those vehicles there's in i think in europe they require guardrails safety rails to protect the sides of so under a truck between the wheels in europe they have protector thingies that i forget the name of and they are trying to get that legislation to get that protection required here because how many there's a number of people that have been sucked under cars that have been sucked under the semi trucks you know, is to, to your point that you're right. I think that there are things that can be done with vehicle design, but I think technology is going to going to going to leapfrog a little bit with with radar technology. We'll be able to sense things and objects around us at a at a at a higher clip. But to your point, um, that innovation is not starting here in the states. Uh, it's starting in other parts of the world where biking is more is more prevalent. For example, I think in October, Paris revealed a plan to become 100% cyclable by 2026. Uh, Milan wants to be to build even more cycle lanes um, than the French capital over the next 15 years. And Berlin intends to be to, to have like a car-free area larger than Manhattan. I mean, the EU is considering proposals that require 424 cities on the continent to develop sustainable urban mobility plans, prioritizing cycling and walking by 2025. So to your point, there is massive amount of innovations that I think UE and the US can learn from with regards to bike safety and how we integrate biking into our everyday lives. Also in Europe, I, I don't know if it's the entire European Union or specific countries, they mandate that vehicles have automatic braking power 
and automatic speed control. So you can't, the vehicles cannot go above the speed limit. And when there's a curve, the vehicle automatically brakes. And it's the same manufacturers that we use, but we don't demand that here. You make some good points there, including the bigger trucks are a problem. I would, when I think about pedestrians and their risk in Manhattan, it's the messenger bikes that are screaming at very high speeds, which brings up an issue, which I wanted to ask you, Lindsay, where do you fall on the next generation of, uh, of, of ride sharing, which is these electric scooters and electric bikes that now, not only are the bikes going much faster without the person even having to have the, the ability to get to that speed, but you have these scooters where they're teetering on these little, you know, a, a little beam no wider than the beams in the Olympics. And there one or two of them are and they're shooting down the street by me, my car. You can barely see them where they are. They're a small footprint. Where do you come down on all that? Is, on, should that be outlawed? What is the deal on that? Oh, well, it's kind of odd. Like anyone can rent one. They don't have to know how to ride a bike. They don't have to know what the laws are about cycling. They don't have to have a helmet. So that's weird. Also, people leave the scooters and bicycles in the middle of the sidewalk, in the middle of the road. So that prevents people that are walking or in wheelchairs. So there should be a lot. Well, more you, you know, you do need a driver's license. If, if you know, back in the day when 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 the birds and the 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 lift scooters on that were everywhere you did need a driver's a legal driver's license in order to rent those so there's you need to drive a car and if you had to drive a bike but you know how to drive a car nonetheless to ride one of those things at that point you know they they did have um um maximum uh speeds on those bikes i know that the the those rocket bikes that they have in the city that the delivery guys ride on and gals yeah, in like places like New York City, don't have a speed limit. Those things just move. And they used to call them the silent killer because you can be sitting on the street corner just waiting for the light to change and getting smacked uh, by one of those guys delivering. Um, you never heard them coming. You never, you never heard them coming. And so, and so one aspect, yeah, great bikes, um, you know, bikes and cars are adversaries. And in some cases, bikes and pedestrians are adversaries as well. So, you know, you solve you solve one problem and perhaps you create another one at the same time. So there are more issues perhaps than we even realize, um, and maybe more issues that are yet to uh, um, to come up as the increase in bike um, commuting and all that happens here in the U.S. Um, and as we kind of shift the gears a bit, so go ahead. The positives. There's people that are saying. I can't bike. It's too hilly. It's too far. Oh, electric bikes. I'll try that. So that has converted people. You know, it's the halfway step. And they're like, oh, this is actually fun. I enjoy this. Okay, maybe I'll get a real bike now uh, because I can bike the hills or I'll buy my own electric bike, which means a whole lot less time in the car, which is better for everyone's health and the air. So it does provide a stepping stone to more appropriate biking. They should have more regulations though. So we definitely need regulations to make sure that we're deterring people who are breaking the law, that we're keeping everybody honest on the street. We have to have better management of the bike lanes uh, so, the, so that they actually make sense, so they don't throw you back into traffic and out of traffic and, and, and put you at risk. We need to find a way to solve an equipment issue, which is how do we get a helmet onto everybody that's moving at that speed 
in the middle of traffic. It sounds like there's a lot we should do as we try to as we try to wrap up this topic. Who do you think really should be involved? If you had to put a task force together, and, and we're looking to a city to 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 solve this problem, the danger of the problem, increase the usage of this of this very positive movement away from cars. Who should be involved? Is it the medical profession? Is it the people who are in the Department of Transportation? Is it the manufacturers? Who needs to be involved and how do we get them all into the same room? Um, I haven't thought much about this, which is crazy because I should. Um, but the legislation, the impacts to the drivers that hit somebody, that's crazy. They should be much, much, much stricter legislation. There is another, so I was hit in San Diego. There's another person who I met. Her husband was hit in San Diego four months after I was. Her husband died. She had, a, they had a 15 month old child. So now she's a single mom. The driver got 140 hours of community service and paid $300 and was in jail for four days. Four days hmm. for killing somebody. That's great. So legislation needs to change and that is state specific. Also payments. Okay. Universal healthcare. If we were a country that had that, like everyone else, my bills cost over 10 million. So the increase to the amount of the costs and it impacts every everybody's costs. I have that kind of written somewhere. Yeah, in other words, everybody's insurance is going to go up when somebody gets a big loss or something, right? Medically consulted injuries by motor vehicle accidents were 5.4 million in 2021. Repeat that again, please. Injuries. So you get you get a boo-boo. Do you see the doctor? Not necessarily. So if they were medically consulted injuries in motor vehicle incidents. There were 5.4 million in 2021. Reported. So 5.4 million people, yes, went to the doctor. Is that because of bike incidents or was it? Motor vehicle related. So if a car crashed a car, car crashed a pedestrian. And the total costs were 498 billion. Well, there's no doubt in the same way that we've made uh, drinking and driving uh, laws much more draconian, which is thankfully reduced the incidence of drinking and driving at the same time as the technology was invented to allow you not to have to drink and drive, which was ride sharing. So now we've created, we're creating ride sharing, quote unquote, on the bicycle with the scooters, etc. We have to then match that solution with deterrence to move people into better behavior. I think that's yeah. what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and I think to your point, Jamie, that um, I'm going to emphasize the word behavior, right? Because not every, not both parties are responsible. Uh, as a driver, you can't hit a, a person on a bike. At the same time, if you're a biker, you kind of need to stay in your lane, right? You can't. No pun intended. Into, <laughs> literally, and so what was interesting about what I what I learned about bike lanes is it is it. Allow, it allows for biker behavior to become more predictable. As a driver, you know that you know the biker is going to be in a lane, so you know they're not going to drive in that lane. That's a great so, point. 
Yeah, so I think that there's a responsibility on both sides to be able to kind of like, you know, stay in your lanes and follow and follow the rules and no one gets hurt. And, I, you know, obviously that's there's more nuance to that. If you have the opportunity to get on a bike, be safe. If you are in a, if you're driving in a vehicle in the city, watch out for bikers. I agree. And I, and I think, I think I, we have to give a shout out to Lindsay for what an amazing story you have. And what's so important about it is not just that you survived, which is almost a miracle, which is a testament to, to your, your abilities, your body, your fighting spirit and the medical profession that surrounded you. Um, but I think what's great is that you're telling your story and you're using um, this horrible accident that happened to you to turn that into something positive in terms of helping to try to make it safer for the next driver, for the next bike rider. And that is a very commendable way to live your life. And we're glad you're down here in Florida. We're glad you're down here in Miami. And now you can help to make it safer here because we really do have an issue here. The drivers are a little tougher here. The biking is more dangerous here. And people like you are needed here to make it safer. So thank you for that. Thank you. I have one more. So also technology. We have self-driving cars. We have skyrockets. You can join the rocket to go to the moon if you have a million dollars or five million. There's those robots that deliver food on some campuses to people. That's where we're putting our intellectual people is to in that kind of technology. There are many different technological advances, which I already mentioned earlier, that Europe is taking for its vehicles that we could be emulating here. On the topic of city bike safety, I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Only scratched the surface uh, as a growing trend in New, in, in New York and uh, everywhere else in America. Um, we, we need to really be aware of the issues with regards to biking um, and, 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 and safety overall and take cues from, from what's happening in Europe. So we want to thank you for your leadership, Lindsay, and your advocacy uh, on this very topic. And hopefully we'll continue this conversation uh, and hopefully we'll see more, um, more legislation in the market sometime soon. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you guys so much. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week.